Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, 10 me 10 is getting a tattoo. What an absolute shock. What, what an utter surprise that she is getting a tattoo. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys, for taking so long to get things started. We had a different technical issue than usual. <laughs> this time, the stream just didn't want to connect, probably because I was logged in and Aiden was trying to log in as well. Yep. Uh, but uh today we are joined by uh Stikugi, aka steven um steven you want to introduce yourself uh i mean i pretty much already did but hi for those of you who are watching who have no idea who the hell i actually am my name is steven uh steven aka Stikugi, and i'm a guy that talks about history a lot sometimes to the point of annoyance but that depends on your preference i mean i have absolutely no problem with that i have the same issue with all of my friends on the designated history nerd um, which is, of course, how I ended up with your content on my For You page six months ago. Was, was like, I was just seeing, like, the everything that would come through, I would be like, huh, I, I actually agree with what that guy's saying, which isn't normal for me when it comes to, like, historians, especially people I see on the... And it, it drives Anything. my friends nuts, because they'll see on Facebook, like, they're like, every time I see Aiden Mattis commented on something on Facebook, it's some history-related thing, where I'm like, that's a myth, you're wrong, stop saying that. Uh, but... It's, it's rare for me to come across people who I'm like, oh, okay, I like what this guy is saying. <laughs> like, that was fun, but I, yeah, I wanted to, there, there's a couple things I want to talk about. I, obviously, I want to get into some of the, um, you know, some, some history stuff, but also, I just like, I, I think you and I are having a similar experience when it comes to having, I, I don't know what your, what, what, what was your degree in, in college? History of studies. History so, basically, it's international politics is what it would be. Yeah. So I, I had the same thing where I went to I went to school and I got a bachelor's in medieval studies um, and then got out of school and there are absolutely no jobs for that. Um, and if you want to get into history, if you want to go into academia, you got to go and get your master's degree. And I'm, I'm working on that, but it's so much time and money. And it's and for the longest time, the only way to you know get into history and be a historian was either to go go the academic route and get your, your master's, your PhD, and everything, or to be a journalist, and then work your way in from the side. Um, so I think what what I think has happened for you and for me is that the, the internet has given us kind of this, this place where we can go and be historians without needing to kind of slave away at getting a master's degree and a PhD first and, you know, take 10 years to enter, to enter the field. And I, I mean, I, I don't know, do you feel the same way about it? Absolutely. I feel the same way, absolutely. Like, if I go back to college, like in my college days, and what it was that I was looking at doing, my goal from the beginning was to do one of two things. I was either going to become a history professor, or I was going to enter the State Department. And that was my plan. Um, and, and whether it ties to both, I planned on going into the military, and then from the military, that leading me in either direction, depending on the path that I chose. However, two things changed that. One, when it came to the idea of being a professor... I learned how ridiculously hard it is to actually be that. 
Modern Academia is overly saturated with any number of professions, and it's not just when it applies to liberal arts. This applies to physics, uh, like engineering, mathematics, biology. In general, it is oversaturated, uh, but it's especially worse when it comes to people that are in liberal arts degrees. So when you are trying to become a professor of one of these degrees, you quickly learn that there are no more professor roles. You are an adjunct professor. You're given a contract period of effectively anywhere between six months to two years, and then you're let go. You're never going to reach tenure, basically, because a professor who has tenure is never giving it up. And so you will have a professor that will teach all the way into their 70s or 80s. And this means that very few job positions are actually going to open up. So... I could go down this path of schooling. I could go and study for years, four to six years, to get my master's and PhD. And it mean nothing, because then I can't get a job, because there's nothing actually available. So that made me think, okay, well, I'm going to enter the State Department. I'm going to do something else more related to international politics, something along those lines. And then I met the girl who had become my wife. And she was a student already at a, uh, at a university, where, how should I put this? We wanted to be together. And if I enter the State Department or the military, that means going away. So that yeah. wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Which meant that I was stuck locally and had to find a job. So for years, I basically worked manual labor, sales, a variety of different things like that, yeah. until I finally had an outlet. Which is where I am here today. Yeah, and it's, it, I mean, everything you said just now terrifies me as somebody who's currently getting their master's degree so they can be a professor. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's kind of what I expected. It's what I've been seeing, and you know, I. It, it's funny how how close that is to to my story. <laughs> so I I joined the National Guard when I was nineteen. And ended up getting medically separated. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into politics or if I wanted to go into a history field. Like it's. <laughs> I'm kind of in the exact same the exact same spot as you. And well, if I may I ask, are you in a committed relationship? No. Okay, there's a huge determining factor. Yeah. The big reason why I could not pursue further school and why I needed to get a job is I got married. And could, due to personal circumstances, if we wanted to have a child, we had to have it sooner rather than later right. um, because it wouldn't be possible later. And this just meant that I have to work. There was no... Mm -hmm opportunity when you are someone who is still with an education this means that there's far more availability because you're able to actually go to places where there is demand right i can't just up and leave everything that i have to move across the country to start a job as an adjunct professor somewhere and start building a reputation that's simply not possible right yeah totally um it, it is crazy how things have changed and i mean it I always wonder, like, is, is there going to be a point at which, you know, younger people just kind of abandon traditional academia and is, you know, at what generation is that going to be possible? Like, because for people, I, I don't know exactly how old you are, but Aiden and I are 23. And, um, you know, for us, it's, we, I, I know for me, I spent $120,000 on my undergrad. Um, and it's, just, that's an insane amount of money to, an insane amount of debt to be saddled with at, you know, at 23 and to try and carry that around. Um, and it's just, like, I, I can't imagine that's going to get less expensive over time for people. And if, 
if I going into an academic field can't get a full-time professorship, then what's the point of me getting a master's and a PhD and all of that when all of this information is available on the internet? Um, and at what, at what point does, you know, the millennial or the Gen Z generations say, you know, enough, enough is enough. We don't, I, I prefer to see aptitude rather than a certification from some school. Um, but then again, I, I'm concerned that people would call an aptitude test ableist and I guess what else is the SAT is ableist so like what's it's it's very hard with today's society to actually come up with a solution to these problems and I I am thankful for things like TikTok as much as it pains me on a day-to-day basis to deal with their community guidelines yes. uh, but also YouTube and Patreon and all these different ways that I've kind of been able to cobble together an income based on talking about stuff that I really enjoy and I, I don't know if my followers are necessarily noticing it, but I'm slowly slipping in more history content <laughs> to our page. Like it's been, it's been all folklore and monsters and supernatural stuff. And I'm like, I'm just going to give you a little, like on Tuesdays, on Tuesdays, I'm going to give you some history. Um, <laughs> There's very applicable things that you can apply to that. Because if you're already yeah. talking about supernatural ties to horror, like that's mm-hmm. just something that is tied and horror is very easily tied to history. I mean, you yeah. can talk about any number of, say, cannibalistic incidents or any crazy things that have occurred here in the past. Cults, a variety of different things. Like, there are very dark chapters to human history that you would be able to go in-depth about. Yeah, and it's, I think one of my favorite ones that I've kind of been able to tie directly in is uh, Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Norse mythology, I was able to do, like, a good run of content on, and it did really well, and people were really excited about it. And it's just... It is very interesting to also see which communities tend to interact on apps like TikTok because I've got a lot of my followers who I think I picked up from that initial, like, conspiracy theory stuff I started talking about, um, which was the whole National Parks thing. You know, Teddy Roosevelt created the National Forest Service to contain Wendigos. And that was just a, like, totally galaxy brain theory that I had while I was at the bar one night. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, hold on a sec. I don't know. I actually might believe this a little bit. And then I started thinking about it more and more. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk about it. Um, So I picked up a whole bunch of people from that. And then people were like, oh, since you're talking about cryptids and supernatural stuff, uh, why don't you talk about this too? And then it got wrapped into, you know, mythology. And then from mythology, we got wrapped back into history. And initially, all my content on my account was history content. And uh, it just was not taken off. I just was, I I could not, could not get the viral video I needed. Um, but what I found is that the people who are interested in one of these things are so often interested in the others. And I think, I don't know if you've, uh, if you follow Wendigoon on anything, but he's got, you know, he's got this whole conspiracy theory and true crime side to things. Then you've got all the history stuff. And then we got Mr. Baldwin with the missing four on one stuff. It's just all of these, like these creators who all have the same fan base. And it's, I, I think a lot of them aren't necessarily realizing that they're interested in so many of these things. But once they have the various creators kind of like weaving together with stuff, like I like I'll stitch one of your videos or um, True Legends of Monsters will stitch one of my videos, and it's just this little like network, this mesh that's being created. I think is really cool, and I think it's kind of creating an alternative version of what we've been fed by the History Channel for the last 10, 15 years of you know kind of this this corporate like produced ancient aliens kind of stuff that's meant to get a lot of clicks and likes but then because people have kind of grown up on that stuff i think they've got a hunger for 
for actual stories and actual history and actual knowledge, which I think is awesome. Once they have various creators on Sorry, that was my little rant. <laughs> together no, I'm in full agreement. I'm in full agreement because when you look at the... Here, here, I follow very few people on TikTok, or like in general. I think that I actually only follow, including, including like friends and family, only about 20 people. And there's very few channels from among them that I genuinely just watch stuff for my enjoyment. And that's just something to do because I I don't know how to put it. When I go and I interact with different things, something has to genuinely really appeal to me or I want to be able to communicate and reach out to someone about a subject for for me to do that. Like, for example, uh, Preston Stu, uh, like covering military history. Like, that's something that I find fascinating. I find a lot of your stuff when it comes to different things on uh, the supernatural aspects, like, interesting. Um, and it's just, I love telling stories. That's how I, I got into this here, because I, when I look at history, it's not something that is just, it's not black and white. It, there's any number of different directions that a story has turned, could turn, um, any number of directions that it comes from, depending on the perspective that you're looking at, and each way, it just makes it entertaining, because I firmly believe that there is nothing that Hollywood could produce that could give us as entertaining a story as some of the things that have occurred in history. Like, you could not write a better comedy special than some of the things that have occurred. Like, if you want dark humor, the first video that I had that went viral was the great Irish whiskey fire, the great Dublin fire. Okay, well, you got it. Now you got to elaborate. <laughs> okay, so mid-1800s, and there is a whiskey distillery in Dublin, which, of course, there's whiskey distilleries all over Ireland, but this one in particular is special. And it is special because one night it catches fire. Now, over the course of that night, over 4,000 barrels of whiskey would sadly, tragically lose their lives. It was one of the greatest tragedies that the Irish had ever faced. But there was a silver lining. That night, as the whiskey barrels were literally exploding inside of the distillery, it created a river of burning whiskey that traveled two miles down the road, creating a creek, a literal burning creek of whiskey that flowed all the way down to a nunnery down the road. And people throughout the entire city lined up for miles going down this thing, taking every kind of container that you could possibly imagine, from cups, shoes, hats, tin cans, anything that they could get their hands on to fill with this whiskey. And magically speaking, no one died from the fire. Yet simultaneously, 13 people that night died of alcohol poisoning. Oh my god. Which has got to be the most Irish thing that I could possibly describe in my life. <laughs> it's just like... You cannot write me a better comedy special than that. Okay, but but I raise you uh, the, the battles of Cressy and Poitiers during the Hundred Years' War. Senior <laughs> thesis was on the Battle of Cressy. Uh, Cressy's, Cressy is funny enough on its own, but Poitiers, the, the way that it was described to me by my medieval studies professor in college was the, the way he delivered this this piece where it was that, I think it was King Charles, uh, was sure that the reason they lost Cressy was because they had there was a traitor in the French ranks and the nobles were all listening closely and they're like, oh, well, who was it? Like, you know, 
he's like, we're going to win because we don't have, we, we know who the traitor was. And the nobles are all gathering this and closely. And he tells them it's, it wasn't the French. It wasn't the English. It wasn't a spy. It was the horses. And, and so he ordered, <laughs> it's, just, it's literally just a mile. You just got to chart. And also there was an obvious flanking maneuver they could have done, but it's it layered this on top. So, so because the horses were the problem, because the horses were the traitors, because they wouldn't charge into the English pikes, um, he ordered all of his knights to dismount. And it was about 96 degrees that day. Um, so he orders all of his knights to dismount. This is 1356, right? Um, so the, by this point, we're talking about plate armor. You know, we're, this is not, we're not just talking about chainmail. Um, this is heavy armor that they're wearing. And he orders everybody to dismount. They all get off their horses. They have to charge a mile through English, through, well, Welsh, actually, longbow fire, um, until they reach the English billmen and pikes. And on top of this, the, the rations for a knight on the day of battle would be about a pound of meat because they were going to be sitting on a horse, basically in a tin can all day, and needed the energy to, to fight a battle. So they just pop off their horses and charge the English lions, and the ones that actually make it, by the time they get there, are so tired and nauseous that they just surrender, and the English just start kind of like ferrying the knights back to their wagon train, and just seating them, being like, here, have some water. <laughs> yes. Like, it's just the most... Re- no, not rip the horses. The horses did fine. The horses survived because they didn't have to charge anything. Pressy <laughs> was rip the horses. That was yes, a whole Pressy thing entirely. Like, that was... Oh, God. That... Also, it wasn't the poor, just a matter the of the Genovese. The poor no, the Genovese. Genovese. The French literally, like, okay. That was such horrible positioning. Like, here's the thing. One of the final battles there in Game of Thrones, like, I can't remember why, this, uh, the battle of, like, Winterhold, like, where they positioned the trebuchets in front of the infantry and cavalry, like, it was trebuchet, then cavalry, then infantry. What the, mmm, god damn it, that pisses me off. But, when Cressy occurred, and they had the Genoese crossbowmen that moved forward, keep in mind, their crossbows were not handling well because they were wet in the first yeah. place, so they weren't really working. And at the same time, even behind their pavises, the longbows were still penetrating through there and hitting them. So as they retreated, instead of the French knights moving to the flanks and up, they said, no, well, if they're going to retreat, screw them. They're just mercenaries. Yep. Ride them down and charged into them in the first place. And that whole cavalry charge that took place, which, mind you, wasn't just charging into pikes. They had stakes planted in front of their positions for defenses. They had stakes, and in front of that stakes, which was up a hill, they also had a ribalt gun. Which, do you know what a ribalt gun is? It sounds familiar, but I can't quite remember. Ribalt is an organ gun. It is a gun that has 7 to 12 barrels that is just... Think of it like, um, you've seen a puckle gun, right? You know yeah. what that is? So imagine a puckle gun, except instead of a rotating barrels, it's just seven individual barrels just yeah. lined up, I, and I you light each one gun. and it fires off. It makes a lot more noise than it actually does damage, but it's terrifying to horses yeah. that are charging up the hill. So I these horses, yeah, they're just getting massacred by these like longbowmen. 
And the few that are able to actually make it are so disorganized by the time they make it to the top that the billmen are just able to just hook them off their horses and take them down. Over 70%, I think, of French nobility at that time actually was killed or captured, yeah. completely destabilizing the entire like French command system. But that wasn't the worst one. I cannot remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but it's my favorite story from it. It was, I believe, it was some Holy Roman Empire leader, some duke or count, who was quite famous but he was blind and he was an ally of the French because he had been paid by the French to be an ally. And he wanted to fight in the battle. So in the French cavalry, they tied this man to his horse and sent him charging at the English line. And he got immediately killed, just hooked off his sword and off his horse and killed. It's just like... <laughs> they tied a blind man to a horse and sent him charging into a line of pikes and stakes. <laughs> I just don't even understand how you can... How, Jack, how, does, how does somebody make that decision? How does somebody go, you know what I want to do? You know what I want to do? I'm, I'm blind. I'm going to go charge through a muddy battlefield on a horse into... Sharp. I mean, I, he probably was a lot less scared than the rest of the French cavalry. John of Bohemia. It was the king of Bohemia. That's that who makes it was. It better. Let's see. I'm going to go down right onto this right here for his debt. John Bohemia lost his... They have a fascinating history. Cool. Two defenestrations. Two defenestrations of Prague. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite word. The fact that English has a language uh, has a word for throwing someone out a window. Uh, let's see here. Where is it? So, at the Battle of Crecy in 1346, John controlled Philip's advance guard. So, he was a blind man, and he was in control of the vanguard. He was in charge of it. He was, along with controlling large contingents of Charles II of Alisson and Louis I, Count of Flanders, John was killed at the age of 50 while fighting against the English during the battle. The medieval chronicler, John Froissant, left the following account of John's last actions. For all that he was blind, when he understood the order of battle, he said to them, Where is the Lord Charles, my son? His men said, Sir, we cannot tell. We think he be fighting. Then he said, Sirs, ye are my men, my companions and friends of this journey. I require you to bring me forward that I may strike one stroke with my sword. They said they would do his command, and the intent that they should not lose him in the press, they tied all of their reins of their bridles to each of them and set the king before him. So, mind you, so that he wouldn't get lost, they tied all of their horses together to his horse and sent them charging. The Lord Charles of Bohemia his son, who wrote himself king of Almain and bare arms, he came to good order in battle, but when they saw the matter went awry with their party, he departed you, and I cannot tell which way. The king, his father, was so forward that he strake with his sword, yea, more than four, and fought valiantly, so did his company, that they were all slain. I love medieval historians, because they always, like, put as much as they can in, as, as flowery as possible, and then it's like, and they all died. Huh? And then everybody died. 
and the next day were found all tied in places with their horses all tied to each other. You cannot write me a better comedy special, and that is precisely why I love talking about this. It's just so much fun. It, like, obviously it wasn't fun for the people there, but, like, okay. it, it always, it kind of drives me nuts when I see, uh, like, medieval, like, historical fiction shows that kind of, like, make stuff up or embellish. I'm like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> you, you just need to go back and read it exactly as the history was written and then do that. Uh, because it's, it's that absurd on its face that you really don't need to embellish in these ways. Like, the, the TV show Vikings, I don't know if you watched it, but I got through, like, the first three seasons, and I was like, this is this is pretty good. There's a few things in here. Like, they they have uh, Ragnar do something that Harold Hadrada did. Um, they obviously, you know, cl close enough, right? Um, but it's just, like, by the time they got to, like, seasons four or five, I was like, this is, this is bad. I can't do this. It, it physically pained me to watch the show because I'm like, this is so wrong. <laughs> Every time I see a battle in a movie or a show mm -hmm. and it devolves into single-handed combat, like one-on-one -on -one fights between soldiers, it just, it drives me insane. Because, uh, like, have you ever seen Last Kingdom? Yeah. Okay. When they start off for the first bits of the battles, in shield wall formation mm -hmm. it looks so it looks good like yeah. very few shows do that mm -hmm. and then when they later on in mid battle break shield wall to enter into the singular combat i'm just oh you bastards that's when you Why? lose all of your advantage too like Why? It's just... like the fact that what they did when they had the shield wall then get attacked from the rear and then disintegrate in that first battle that they showed mm -hmm. when the uh, the Anglo-Saxon army got yeah. ripped apart, that was fantastic because yeah, that is exactly legitimately correct. what would happen. <sighs> yeah, I don't. Did you read the series that was based off of? No, I have not. Y you should. They're 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 so good. It's uh, I think it's called the Saxon Chronicles by Bernard Cornwell, and um. The way he describes the battles, it's like the in the show you'll see like hundreds of people dying. In the books, a a battle with major casualties is like thirty people died. Um, because that's before the advent of gunpowder. Yeah, that's how it was, and you still had casualties, but they were casualties that healed. Because yeah. even if you were wounded, you recovered. It was mm -hmm. significantly harder to recover from a bullet that was the size of a small golf ball and had torn itself through your body, ricocheted, shattered your bones, and then exited out the back. Yeah. When I when I tell people that, like, musket balls were 60 caliber, I they don't seem to quite grasp how large that is. Uh, let me see, where is it? I have, um, I have a bottle opener right here. This is a 50 caliber cartridge turned into a bottle opener. Um, so, this going through you would suck. Uh... Now make it a tenth of an inch bigger. Yeah. Make it a, that. Um, make it a tenth of an inch bigger and round. Um, this is built to penetrate. <laughs> a a musket ball was just built to just tear a hole in you. It was literally a small cannon. Um, there, is, there is no reasonable difference between a musket and a cannon other than size. Rifles are where it gets different because then you have the bullet doing a little spinny spin. Mm -hmm. um, but... Yeah, it's. I also still like. 
one thing that I think does confuse me, and I I know I sh- I know all the like reasons for it is still the the English the English choosing to completely phase out longbows instead of kind of adopting a mixed format. I did a video on that. Did you? Yes. And the answer is that they didn't phase it out completely in the beginning. You got to remember that adoptions of military technology yeah, are takes very gradual over time. But there's a very key reason why you would focus entirely on the other. And the reason for that is cost effectiveness. So when you are looking at the amount of time that it would take to train a longbowman, this was not something that took weeks or even months. It took years to train someone both to shoot accurately as well as even have the strength to draw the bow in the first place. Like they have chronicles that they show what continuous training with a longbow does to your body broader chest, elongated arms. Like, you look like an orangutan, basically. It's it's ridiculous. And this is something that took, quite literally, years of training to master, or not even to master, to become competent with. So, compare that, if you will, to pike and shot tactics, where you have crossbowmen, you have arquebusiers, and you have pikes. You could train a force to competency in a matter of weeks. Yeah that it would normally take years to get another force trained because longbows did outrange like muskets. They did outrange archivists. Like if in the Western world, the only things that outranged longbows were say the composite bows that were utilized by the Turks, as well as the Turkic peoples of the steppe, the Mongols and the Koreans. Like those bows were capable of actually shooting much further, but they didn't have nearly as much power behind the uh, the shot itself for penetration because of the weight of the arrow. Now, you compare that to, say, something to where, let's say you enter a battle, 1,000 bowmen versus 1,000 arquebusiers. Those arquebusiers are going to take heavy casualties. Let's say they lose half their numbers, and the bowmen lose 200. What's going to happen is, fast forward a couple months, those bowmen are sitting about 820, 830. Arquebusiers, full strength again. Yeah. And it's just a matter of whittling it down again and again and again until there's really no point. At yeah. first, the English did employ mixed armies. So you would have crossbowmen and bowmen that work would work in tandem with pikemen, uh, with cavalry, with billmen, etc. And then over time, as guns got better... As archivists became muskets, there was no point. Muskets phased out pikemen because you didn't need pike. The musket served as both the pike and the shot. Mm-hmm. And those, this for those in the chat who have never seen this, I'm sure you have like Civil War bayonets. Um, it, it is terrifying that anybody ever got stabbed with one of those. They're like they, they are like a forearm, basically. Yeah, 12 to 18 inches long and triangular so you couldn't stitch up the wound it's that actually became a war crime uh eventually is you, you can't use a triangular bayonet because it's just it's impossible it to stitch up the the goal because the, the the whole point behind the geneva conventions was to make it so that war was you either killed somebody or they could recover uh not somebody would have a long agonizing death and so things like gas and triangular bayonets and um, hollow point cartridges in firearms, um, 
it's actually one of the weird ones is you can civilians can own, civilians and law enforcement can use hollow points the military can't um because it's against the rules of war but uh but but trench guns are okay shotguns are okay yeah Shotguns are fine. To, to the to to the to the Germans' demise and and distaste, but yes. Ah, oh, that was one of my favorite moments. The Germans literally protesting the use of the trench gun. You literally are the first ones to introduce the Flammenwerfer. Like yeah. the Germans were the first ones to employ flamethrowers in battle, and gas, gas and flamethrowers. It's just, and you're gonna complain about shotguns. The gas that you can't favorite. escape from is fine, but the gun that shoots with a big spread... No, no, no. This is not okay. It's also it's like... Uh... Games. It's not like games. Shotguns are not, oh, ten feet in front of you, the bullets magically disappear. No, that's not how that works. The pellets can hit at a ridiculous distance, which is one of the reasons why they're effectively used to hunt birds out of the sky. Yeah, if anybody's done skeet yeah. shooting, they know it's not like a fan. It's It's... A little bit of a spread, but it, it's not that as anywhere near like a game, like you said. Yeah, it's unless that game is Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, and you're using the Spaz Twelve, in which case, actually pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> pretty much how shotguns work. Uh, for those of you who are too young, uh, Modern Warfare Two is a game that came out in two thousand eight. Huh? Back when you were all still very, very small. Wow, you're um, making me feel old. Yeah, right. Uh, this hurts. Yeah. Those those Modern Warfare two lobbies are what made me a man. Um, they were they were some aggressive times. Those since, Modern since Warfare two lobbies are what makes people in the Discord hate you. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is though, I'm serious. People who are under like eighteen do not understand the world that that we grew up in and how much different it was in terms of the stuff you would hear online and on TV. Like, it, it was. It was insane, and this is why I think so many people get canceled who are, like, a little bit older, is because you have Gen Z coming up, and you got these 16-year-olds who, like, have been growing up on everything being very, very, like, um, what's the word, sheltered, and, uh, you know, super, super politically correct, and if you were growing up in the early 2000s, there was none of that, and so you have some Wild of these older, the internet. yeah, you have some of these older creators who are, like, especially people who are just kind of getting started with who haven't been doing this for five ten years people like us who just like i don't know the etiquette so i'll say something and people be like oh you can't say that and i'm like why can i just add something real quick uh just uh thalia carillo or i believe i said that right in the chat uh just said i wasn't alive in 2008 and i think that just kind of contextualizes I hope you mean that you were in a coma or something. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think that contextualizes a lot here. Uh, I've been dead inside for years. Does that count? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what a goes, I saw a kid treating a Game Boy like it had a touch screen. That hurt. Oh. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, God. I remember when my I had a Game Boy that wasn't backlit. Yeah, no, Game Boy Color. I, had I actually game. had my first Game Boy was an Advance, but yeah, I can see the pain in your eyes. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm remembering those days. Like I remember being five years old at the clubhouse uh, that our neighborhood had, and it was like a neighborhood pool party. They basically dropped mm -hmm. the kids there. You watched a movie and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. keep in mind, it's Pokemon like gold, not gold. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's a uh, yellow, red, and blue. And mm -hmm. I had a friend that 
he had this amazing attachment for his Game Boy, and it was that little spiral light that you plug into your Game Boy, yeah. and it shines a light down on it so that you could play. And I was just like, night. what? That is amazing. Because meanwhile, I'm over here, like, past a certain point. Like, I'm trying to hide my Game Boy underneath my bed sheet so that my mom doesn't walk in and find me playing a game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the amount of light, I'm trying to shine off the moonlight at just the right angle so that I can yeah. barely see the screen. God damn uh, it, I feel old. Oh. Uh, it was a different world. It was a completely different world back in like 2003. Uh, <laughs> it's. Oh, uh, it. And I, I just. Stuff will still happen where I'm like. It kind of like throws me back into that where I realize, like, I'm not old, but holy shit is like. Is there a gap? between advance you see this with history with technology yeah. things advance so rapidly that like for my parents age when you look at someone who was born in the 60s and 70s etc there is not nearly as big of a difference between 1965 and 1970 or yeah. 1970 and 1978 etc like yeah. there are differences but it is not nearly to the same level as someone born from in 1995 like i was to someone that was born in 2000 there is a massive difference technology oh, like technology wise yeah it's it, it's crazy to me too because like and i feel like it's a little it's a little different between somebody who was born in like 2002 like my little sister but has an older brother who was born in 97 like me um versus somebody who's the oldest in their family was born in 2002 like i've seen my little sister with her friends and like there is there is a visible gap between the ones who are the eldest child born in 2001 2002 versus those who are a younger sibling born in 2001 2002 um you know like some some people don't remember like VHS tapes and things like that and it's it's absolutely insane and when you think about and yes I do remember GameCube for whoever asked that question I remember and I remember having my PlayStation 2 where I played the original Star Wars Battlefront 2 and you, you had to have a removable a removable memory card that yeah. you put in um, and it, it's just like, I, and I remember like scrolling through the save games. You had all the little icons for each game, like like, and Lego Star Wars was like the coolest thing that ever happened back then. Um, oh, Hails of Symphonia for GameCube. To this day, my favorite game that I've ever played in my life. Nothing compares to it. They did, actually did an HD remake for it on PlayStation Three back in like 2013. Which is funny, because it was at the end of the PlayStation 3's life, they did an HD remake. They never did it for PS4. I don't know why. But this game, for GameCube, had two discs. When you finished the first part, you took it out of the GameCube, and you put in part two of the disc. That was the thing. That is the only game I have ever seen in my life that did it. You read the back of the box, and it would say, over 80 hours of gameplay. Oh my god. And like, that's insane for what it would have. But as a story, this thing is massive. Like, I don't think that I had ever played an RPG that was that long in one continuous story. And I'm not mm. talking about random side quests and stuff like that, like what you'll find with Final Fantasy. Quest. I mean, the main storyline is so massive in this overarching multi-world setting that it, it literally, it would take you 80 hours basically speedrunning the game to do that. My first playthrough was like 220 hours. And that was as an so RPG cool. playing through it. 
Now keep in mind, I was like nine years old at the time, so that's a right. whole other thing. But still, oh, it's it's insane. I do remember. I think Battlefield Three, if you had it for the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, had two discs. If I remember correctly, it has separate multiplayer and single player disc. But I think that's the only game I've ever played that had two discs. Can we take a quick second to and talk about the massive difference between PS Two and Xbox? and PS3 and Xbox 360. Like I was just reminded recently that like the graphics quality it just yep. exploded. Oh yeah. Like I just yep. like going back like you said Battlefront 2, I saw there was a a game in like 2005 for the Batman Begins movie and I saw some clips of that recently and I was like this was 2005. Batman Arkham Asylum came out in 2008. The graphic gameplay and story quality of that jump in just three years insane like if you want anything as a recommendation from that when the ps3 first came out metal gear solid 4 guns of the patriots Hmm. when that thing came out if you go back it holds up even today like that's what actually sounds so freaky about it this is a playstation 3 game and it's graphics i would argue still hold up relatively well even to today and so 2006 this game it literally looks like it's a movie like you are playing a movie wow that jump at that time from like the older metal gear games to this it blew my mind just seeing it like you would look at a call of duty game and compare the figures that were on that or any of the other games to this and this game was leagues like years ahead of its tech from all the games that were coming out at that time for that year like yeah, seriously, I, look it up. Look it up. You'll see. Yeah, I I'm gonna have to. I I never yep. played like any of the Metal Gear games either. Like I I feel like I missed out. But I never, I never got in. But though maybe I should go back and try now that I've got this absolutely absurd PC. Um, <laughs> I went and bought a very expensive PC instead of getting a gaming laptop or not. A, it is a gaming laptop instead of getting a. Uh, xbox series x i was like you know what i'm just gonna get a pc and play with a controller because that seems like a much better option um but yeah i'm gonna need to i'm gonna need to go through and play some old games we just downloaded i just downloaded the forest too which obviously not an old game but i was playing through it earlier i don't know if you played it at all um that's one of the things that i want to do but i literally don't have time and i think we talked about before because i know we've gotten off the history tiktok etc everything that we've been doing but i with my job, as I already told you, with the hours that I work mm-hmm. uh, with the lab and the fact that the pandemic is still going on, uh, <laughs> I am married. I have a two-year-old. I am operating YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, etc. All this. The only time that I can play games in is general is when I'm streaming. Yep. That is it. And I, I hate this because I genuinely was very good at a lot of these games, and I've come back to them to play them, and I'm while people are watching i am screwing up time and time again i'm looking at this going i i literally have not touched a game here in two years this this hurts my soul because yep. i've just gotten it's degraded so much yeah i i hadn't played uh any of the total war titles in a little while and i went back and tried to play attila and i just got my ass handed to me and like i used to be able to win battles on the hardest setting and i was just getting like smacked around like it was nothing and then i don't know if you played any of the warhammer 
titles in Total Wars, but oh my god, it's it's a totally you got you've got like you're like all right, I've got my my longbowmen, I've got a good solid contingent of infantry, I've got pikes on the ends, I got my cavalry in the back, and then there's just a dragon. Yeah. Oh, I have. I have. Just like, you're like, how I, how do I fight a dragon? How do I do that? That's the thing. Each one is just another idea of the rock, paper, scissors for what counters because uh, armor-piercing pier- missiles yeah. is the really big thing for it here. But then depending on the faction for what you're playing with, you might, you not, might, have have, you might not have one for it that could really do anything. Um, Warhammer is fun. It is very fun. Mm. But also at the same time, like you look at some of the features, and I look back to the golden days there for Total War, which I'm remembering like medieval 2 yeah. medieval 2 is actually my favorite from amongst all of them the ai um, yeah the ai is a mess <laughs> yes ai has always been a problem for creative assembly in general but the big issue where creative assembly fails now is that in a lot of their games they promise new features new everything but the new features that they introduce are not actually new they're features from older games slightly revamped that they're claiming are new, but they took out from the previous games that pissed people off in the first place. Like, it, yes. it's just... Like, uh, I'll give you an example. The last game that had constructible cities in it was Medieval 2. When you would go into a siege and you have this massive spanning map that you can identify different key points of the wall, different things that your siege weapons are going to go up against, plan out your attack, multi-tiered stages, where if you had a full three-tier citadel where you have to break through two sets of walls to get through, mm-hmm. like, that was insane. You had to plan out a massive yep. attack for that. Now, what happens in Warhammer? Don't get me wrong, I, the battles are still fairly fun, but yeah. the sieges are the biggest crock of crap that you could possibly imagine. Yeah, it's just because you just bum-rush the wall. That's all that it is. Yeah. You bum-rush the wall. They magically pull ladders out of their buttholes and throw it up. <laughs> That's all that it is. I, that That is the one mechanic about that game that drives me absolutely insane, and they first introduced it in Empire, and I've hated it ever since, because with Empire, they made it so you just had the ropes to go up the walls, or you could destroy them with cannons. And also, like, it, that was the other thing that they started doing with Empire, was, like, every siege battle was the same exact thing especially if you had a fort so if you had a fort it's just like okay gonna go up against the wall and send all my men up and you know hopefully 40 minutes later um after 40 minutes of watching a bunch of men wearing the exact same uniform stab each other in clanky animations you might win um and if you don't then you just restart it do the exact same thing and hope that you get lucky i uh, I think my favorite my favorite game in the Total War series to this day is is Medieval 2, but not the vanilla one. Um, I do enjoy the vanilla one, but I absolutely loved the Third Age Total War. Um, A lot of people told it. me for that here. I actually never well, played it. You got it, and you got to get the Divide and Conquer sub mod. Um, it is one of the most immersive games I've ever played, which is incredible because it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, it it is I think more more immersive a Lord of the Rings game than the Shadow of Mordor series. Which, I played the first one, and I never played the second one. Shadow of War was actually fantastic, but there's one key thing that sucks. There's one big thing that sucks. So, I'm sure that you're familiar with how they had the system that was the, um, not the Menace, not the Rival, what am I thinking of? Uh, 
Rival, the rival system. Oh no, what was the name of the system that they employed for it there? They had a specific name for their system. Nemesis. 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 The Nemesis. Yeah. So here is the thing about the Nemesis system. That thing was so. It was such a good idea. It was so mm-hmm. successful that they trademarked it. No game, no matter what it is, unless it's owned by Warner Brothers, I think it is, can actually use a Nemesis system. They literally trademarked the idea of it. That's so stupid. they after Shadow of War, they have not made another game. And no company can actually make one that utilizes a similar system because their ass will be sued like that. I can't believe you can even trademark that. Like, that's just... <laughs> but it was, so, it was such a yeah. brilliant idea. It, it And the way that it was employed, utilizing the same kind of tactics of, say, Assassin's Creed or, like, Arkham Knight, etc., like, just a mix between it, fantastically done. And it... Mm, there's so many more things that could be done, and just it's now impossible. Yeah. Uh, did you play uh, the the newest Assassin's Creed at all? No. I actually have not played an Assassin's Creed. I, I technically own Origin, but I played it for like 10 minutes because, again, I literally have no time. The yeah. last one that I played more thoroughly was Assassin's Creed Syndicate. But Assassin's Creed as a whole for a series, I genuinely have not enjoyed a game, like really enjoyed a game, since Black Flag. And even then, Black Flag was not an Assassin's game. It was, it was a pirate game. It was a pirate game. That's the, what I was going to say, is the new one, Valhalla, it's not an Assassin's Creed game, it's a, it's a Viking game. Assassin's uh-huh. Creed Unity pissed me off because of, of course, how buggy it was and how it gives you this impression that you're going to have massive sweeping ramifications for the like the French Revolution that you mm-hmm. don't because you only get into the story when the French Revolution is like already full under swing and basically about to reach its climax and end. You don't actually get to follow any of it. Assassin's Creed 3 pissed me off for the exact same reason, because you think that you're going to have a much greater part of the American Revolution that you yeah. actually do. Literally nothing happens, and you participate in, like, two parts of it, and that's it. Yeah, they they definitely... They, they I think, lost the plot after... Um, after the Ezio... Exactly. Brotherhood... To this day, One of the best games is my played. favorite game. Assassin's Creed 2 is a lot of people, they say that that was the best. No, when they first introduced the Brotherhood system and actually mm-hmm. recruiting assassins for it here, Brotherhood and Revelations were the best, in my opinion. But Revelations had that weird tower defense mechanic no, to it. Yeah, that's why I Brotherhood like, was the best. The, that I didn't deal with it. It was an amazing idea that was not very well implemented. Mm-hmm. That's why I say again, Brotherhood was the best. There was yeah. one key thing about Revelations that was amazing, though. Crafting bombs. Yeah, that was cool. That, the idea of being able to walk into a place, throw down a cherry bomb to gather a bunch of people together, and then just chuck a poison bomb into the middle of that yeah. after 20 people had gathered, war crimes were committed. S- some of the most some of the most tactical gameplay I've ever actually had in something that wasn't like Rainbow Six. Um, and I gotta be honest, Rainbow Six as a game, like, I, I played it a little bit, I I have found Call of Duty Warzone to be more of a tactical shooter, if you play it that way, than almost any other video game, and I know I'm gonna get hate for saying that, but it as a multiplayer tactical shooter, I have yet to play a game where I felt like I was really taking a tactical approach as much, because almost every game is a, a respawn system. If it's actually a, a chore to respawn, then it makes for much more tactical gameplay, and it, 
think it kind of beats out like search and destroy modes where you have one life because then it just, every search and destroy game I've ever played has just been like immediately over. It's like it's a two and a half minute match. Whereas like yeah, when I'm playing Warzone, and maybe it's the way I play Warzone because I play it with my friends and I'm, you know. One of us will, like, approach the, the front of a building, another will take the rear. Like, somebody will be providing Overwatch from a tower. Like, we'll actually play the game like it's a tactical shooter. Um, whereas, like, the last time I played Rainbow Six, it, it was like, if I was on defense, a bunch of people put up barricades in one room. And if I was on offense, you just kind of blew everything up and everything ended in a, made, in a firefight anyway. Um, there was, like, I don't know, maybe it was the ones I was getting because I, had, I I was a fresh recruit to the game, but uh, no, I, I I have found Warzone to be far more of a tactical game than just about any other first-person shooter I've played recently, and it pains me to say that, because I really don't like uh, what Call of Duty has been doing lately, But and I will not be playing after Battlefield 2042 comes out. <laughs> exactly, I'm getting 2042, and when I look at it here, this is one of the key reasons why I prefer Battlefield. I, I did not touch Battlefield 5 after that terrible marketing and everything that they oh. did with it like not that was insulting to the highest degree mm-hmm. on it um but i'm strongly looking forward to 2042 the fact that they're oh, gonna yeah. have the 32 versus 32 matches of battlefield one and they're doubling that for 2042 mm-hmm. i really hope they have something like operations because oh yeah operations are fantastic and if you were looking for something as a tactical kind of shooter for working people, are you familiar with Planet Side 2? Uh, no. So I want you to imagine this. Not 6v6. Not 9v9, 12v12. Not 32 versus 32. Imagine hundreds versus hundreds versus hundreds at the same time. A massive three-way war. It's an MMO and also a shooter at the same time. And when I say MMO, what is continuously happening, and you can look it up, it's been out since 2012, and it's continuously still going. Jeez. A three-way war between three factions on a distant planet in space over four continents that are continuously battling. And you will come into some of these firefights where there are battles of hundreds of players fighting against each other at the same time. And when you want to talk tactics, you can organize into squads, clans, etc. And I have worked with factions where we have gone in in 12-man squads of, all right, fly over the drop point. Everyone is in this kind of mech gear. You have four members that are in these massive mech suits called, um, why can I not remember the name of it? That's going to bother me. They drop. After them, drop the engineers. Engineers, heal them. Medics drop behind them. Immediately drop on every infiltrators. It's you. You will see amazing tactical crap in here, and at the same time, you'll see people bum rushing things. It's. It really depends on the people that you're playing with. Yeah, it's. I, I have been like longing for a genuine, like tactical shooter game that doesn't go too hard on the milsim stuff, like Arma. Because I've tried to play Arma, and it's like, you, you get into the mission, and you got to patrol four miles into into combat. You look at Hell Let Loose. I haven't. It, wait, is that, let... the, is that the World War One? Two. Two. No, it's World War Two. However, you were talking about something where it's semi-a-pain-to-respawn, etc. Mm-hmm. World 
Hell Let Loose is what I would imagine would happen if you mixed Arma and Battlefield. Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna have to check that out. Like, it is... It's Milsim, but more friendly. <laughs> That's what I've been wanting. Oh, it's been killing me for so long. Um, all right, we do have to get into super chats, into questions. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna let it run until eight fifteen. But yeah, if you want to hop into that now, yeah, yeah, I got. I'm, I'm like, happy to answer. Them. I'm having a good time. <laughs> I can tell. We, yeah, we might have to do Twitch sometime too. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's a good call. But yes, for everybody interested, uh, now is the time where we are opening up questions. Uh, as always, we will do our best to answer as many questions as we get, but uh, Super Chats will get priority, and we will answer those first, and we will always answer, answer those. We can't guarantee that we will see or be able to get to your question unless it's a Super Chat, just because the chat flies pretty quickly. They usually come in pretty quickly. Uh, so yes, it is, it is a speedy chat. It is a speedy chat, which we love. We, we enjoy the fact that everybody communicates so much with each other, but yes, feel free to, uh, lend us your questions. Oh, actually, before, before we get into that, I really quickly do want to, uh, mention one thing. Uh, I mentioned this on TikTok earlier today, but, uh, there is, uh, a, a missing persons case, an active missing persons case right now. Um, one of our followers reached out to me about it. I... It's his sister, her name is Gabby Petito. Uh, she went missing in Grand Teton National Park. Uh, she was with her, her boyfriend and they were in a white camper. Uh, both the boyfriend and the camper have been recovered. Um, I can't say much more about the boyfriend, uh, but that's kind of where, where the news has left us. Um, Gabby is five foot five, she's blonde with blue eyes, um, about 110 pounds and just kind of putting it out there. If anyone, if anyone comes across any information for that, uh, I posted on my Instagram as well as on my TikTok about this. Uh, the the information for who to call, who to email, and whatnot. If you have any information, um, but yeah, I just wanted to wanted to mention that on on stream while I'm live. So uh, again, her name's Gabby Petito. Uh, five five, blue, blue eyes, blonde hair. Went missing in Grand Teton National Park. Um, that's, I believe, Wyoming. So if anybody has any information on that, please reach out to the Suffolk County Police Department in New York. And um, that's that's uh, that's all I can really say about it at the moment. If I get more information, I will make sure to, um, to put that out there for people. But also, if you go, again, if you go on my Instagram, you can find all the information about that. If you could repost it uh, on your own socials, um, you know, I think it would mean a lot to the family and it, it might be what, what we need to bring this girl home. So, uh, just, just putting that out there. Um, but we will, we will now go back to, to super chats. Yes. And after that very important announcement and, you know, as he said, please do all you can to help. Uh, the first super chat is from the legendary glass of water for $5. Thank you very much. And she says, I have no questions, only vague warnings and soup. So, that is indeed a very vague warning, and, uh... That is yes. a very vague warning. Good soup uh, store. What? Were you buying clothes at the soup store? Or were you buying soup at the clothes store? Wait, do you not get that reference? I, I don't, know. You, you never saw, like, Code Mint, like Code Geass abridged? No idea what that is. Never heard of it. But... <laughs> Sounds like I need to. Wait, 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 wait. Is this an anime? 
Yes, but it's at a bridge. Okay. You know what a bridging <laughs> is. Then it's then it's not a you being old issue. It's a me not watching anime issue. Yeah. But do you know what a bridging is? No. A bridging means to shorten in length by an oh, issue. Oh, yeah. So yeah. What, it, what it is that they do with these anime, they'll take the episode, cut it down to a few minutes, take out the original voices, put in all kinds of edits, different things, and put in their own voices for things. It'll basically turn it into a comedy show. So if you're going to watch something, watch Helsing Ultimate Abridged, these different kinds of things. They will take something immensely dark and screwed up and turn it into a massive comedy show. I love it's that. It's great. There's a whole line in here. Like, just we can't even put it up on YouTube, I'm sure, right now. But just literally just look up, like, Soup Store. Just literally look up Code Bent Soup Store, and you will laugh your ass off. You'll have no idea what's going on, but it's just funny. Oh, I'm excited. It's, uh... It gives me some Kingdom Hearts Crazy Files vibes. Uh, for All those right. of you who are who were on OG YouTube, but yeah, uh, Islong says just started a medieval lit and history class. Anyone have any medieval fun facts? I can try to impress my professor with. Oh, um, did you come to the right place for medieval facts? You came to the right place. Yeah. Uh, ooh, I'm trying to think. Um, obviously, we talked about battles of Cressy and Poitiers, which are the funniest thing ever. Um, po- uh, Poitiers specifically because. The French king believed that the traitors, well, the I think it was the Dauphin, actually, but believed that the traitors in his army were the horses, so he ordered his knights to dismount and charge a mile in 96-degree weather, at which point they were summarily captured. Um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, another is that the first reference, this is a good lit one, the first written reference we have to King Arthur comes from the poem Igodofin, which is by the uh, Welsh poet Anirin, and the this is the first written reference to arthur was he's talking about a guy named gur arthur and he's he simply says of gur arthur he was no arthur and that is the first written reference we have to king arthur everything else about king arthur follows the statement he was no arthur in literary history which That's i find fun. fascinating yeah uh you got anything th- steven there is one here that i have on top of my head like mm, i'm trying to remember the guy's name so there is an English king in here who Breaker, which one was it? I'm trying to remember that off the top of my head, and I can't remember, so I'm gonna have to look into it. But he literally the way he died was hit the floorboards in his privy, like in the in the toilet, broke under them from rotting. So he literally drowned in shit. That's horrible. Yep. Sounds like yep, a pretty shitty way to go. Way to die. That is literally oh. how he died. Uh, which actually, there's been a number of cases kind of like that for it here. Which I can't remember his name. I'm gonna find that specific one for it here, and I'm gonna talk about it. But uh, another one in there, if you want something that actually did happen, um, then George. This isn't medieval history at that point. It's in the 1760s for it here. Uh, but George II literally died uh, on the toilet as well uh, through like he pushed so hard that he had basically an aneurysm like a um what, what, what is the term ah oh, this is gonna Just bother me pulling of an elvis an aortic dissection yeah he had an aortic dissection basically he tore blood vessels while trying to the poop and bled it out internally to death while trying to take a crap that is incredible i have no words that's just moving swiftly along Ooh. Uh, after the wonderful is long's question is Russell the Outlaw, legendary Russell the Outlaw, for five dollars. Thank you very much. He says, "So I had something happen this weekend, and while I want to share and get your input, I'm still waiting to hear back about my last email." Uh, 
boy, this is my fault. Um, we actually interviewed a secretary this week. Um, yeah. I, I gotta get back to her. I also, once uh, I'm moved out and, like, have a car and all of these other things, I'll be able to go through the emails a lot more as well. So Yeah, we, the emails are just totally backed up right now. Yeah, we've got, like, over 150 of them that we have to go through, and I think none, neither of us have just found the time to be able to do that. Yeah. So, please, apologies, but we will get to it as soon as we can. Um... So next is glass of water for $5. Thank you very much. Says, uh, remember, mushrooms in a circle might lead you to the fade, but bones in a circle is a trap. As we learned a few weeks ago, there's that. Also, as we learned a few weeks ago, yeah, don't mess with the bones under the tree. I want an update on that story. (laughs) Put the bones back. (laughs) I, I love that was like, yeah, we removed some bones, and now things have been kind of bad. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't have removed the bones, dude. Like, why yeah. did you remove the bones? Don't touch the bones. If you find if you find a bone circle under an oak tree, don't touch the bones. <laughs> why do I need to say that? Why do I need to inform people that that's a bad idea? It just, yeah, that that, that <laughs> should be common sense, but fair enough. All right, next up is 10ME10, oh. who's probably uh, writing in all caps because she's in pain from getting another tattoo. Uh, for $5, thank you very much, says, uh, where are you right now? I'm at soup. Uh, so I guess I was wrong. She's she's no longer yes. getting a tattoo. No, that is the quote. That's the line. That's the thing that I'm talking about. Like, you, if you're not, you got to pull this thing up here. I'm not sure if you can, but you just got to witness I it. I don't think we can. We, we will later. Oh, yeah, we will later for sure. after, but I don't uh, get a copyright. <laughs> Russell the Outlaw for $5 says, Jesus wants a hug. I don't know if that's another reference or not. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. It sounds like it. That's Helsing Ultimate Abridged. <laughs> it, it's over the statue, literally, as they're flying over Brazil. And oh my god! And they're, they're flying over it, and just this vampire voice comes on and goes, Jesus wants a hug! That's all that that is. That's amazing. This, this sounds exactly like Kingdom Hearts Crazy Files. Like, to the T. And I, now I feel like I'm the only one who remembers that series. Also, this is not a hickey. It's just facial hair that I failed to shave and now have... Why not Why not just it. let people believe it was a hickey? Why draw the attention to it? Because my, my mom watches. <laughs> Valid. And I think she would be more confused than anything. Uh, <laughs> since I like, haven't left the house in three days. It's not uh, a hickey. Archie just got very hungry. Yeah, no, it's... Um, Oh boy. Uh, 10ME10 says she's emailing us the video. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, whoever said the bones thing, if you're in the chat right now, I would love an update on the bones. Um, oh, uh, glass of water for $5. Thank you very much again. Says, uh, careful little things. The circle keeps you safe until you leave it. You left it a long time ago, so be wary of the shadows. I'm beginning to think you're like an entity that's 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 here to either warn us or watch over us or a little bit of both all right commander canada asked again about the audio and now i'm gonna go look for it because i feel like i've looked for it before and just did not find it but canada what the hell is your email address also welcome back canada uh russell the outlaw for five dollars thank you very much says 420 yolo swag for jesus and i couldn't agree more i'm looking Hold up, hold up. I know we had a whole thing here, and it's not the one that I was looking at, but um, 
a king that was assassinated while on the toilet. Um, th- because it's a story that I guess just has to be told. Uh, I love that this is turning into a series. The Duke of Bohemia. How did he die? Stabbed with a spear from under a toilet seat while defecating. Okay, the first... assassin just in his toilet and stabbed him upwards with a spear. Yeah, that's some dedication on the assassin's hand. Because that must have been horrible. And by the way, I'm listening to your audio right now. Uh, Tenemi Ten said she sent the email as well. So, Canada, I'm not gonna lie to you. It sounds like you just going <clears throat> into the into the thing. That's fantastic. Like it, it just sounds like you growled into the the microphone and then went no. Oh, Aiden. By the no. way, someone asked us earlier if we're gonna be in the Discord tonight. Do we have an answer to that? Uh, my plan was to stream the forest for a little bit, but I could also be in the Discord. Glass of water for another five dollars. Thank you very much. Says, pay no attention to the mother in the woods. She only loves you until her pockets are empty. Glass of water. What are you doing to us right now? Do you want to? Can I read you guys the Instagram DM I got last night? Yes. Can I do that right now? Oh yeah, you should. You absolutely should. Also, uh, did I did I send it to you? To me? Yes, you did. Um, also, is long just as a, you, you just reminded me by your existence of the question you had earlier, and just because it's on brand for other Aiden, um, just bring up Owen Glendower in any form. <laughs> yes, that's that's all you need to do. Uh, Will S for five dollars says there's an email with a while. Oh. Uh, Okay, there's an email with the wild bone tree story, uh, but the long story short, my manager threw the bones away because I wanted the woods to look pretty, quoting the manager. Um, let us know if your manager just, like, starts acting weird, suddenly disappears, uh, shows up, just different, because um, that'll be interesting. I can see the, the TikTok already. My manager is a skinwalker? Like... The number of videos I've seen that have let, that that accuse just random it's like this peach is a skinwalker like it's absurd it is probably the most over overdone trend on that app right now but ready this is so I got this string of messages from an Instagram account that is uh the the username the night father sees all and uh the the name of the account is you are being seen it says and this is separate messages um, see this? See this? Uh, hello, Aiden. He disapproves of your sins. Don't go into the woods, Aiden. The woods are dangerous. Find the shadow man. Identify anonymous. California holds the devil. The devil holds my hand. Shells have no choices. The water is rising, Aiden. Do you see the windows? Scene, scene, scene. Decontamination. Destruction. We are many, you are none. I replied to this simply with spoopy. Um, <laughs> the only correct I, solution. I wasn't sure answer. what else to say. The conversation actually did continue today, and it was just mostly him re- reiterating the same things. 
Um, at one point, he asked me, where is your god? And that seemed... At, the, the context was a little bit pointless, but it was like, I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me, where is your god? It um, is an interesting question, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> and then he goes, inform me, what are your choices? Aiden, it's just, if he yeah, ever... tried to video ch- Chat me. If he ever asks, where is your god again, you should simply repo- reply with, when is yours? When is yours? Yes. Oh, uh, it is... There is some... Some shit. Also, Abigail Stewart just typed in all caps, it's spoopy season, and aside from the fact that it was 90 degrees here today and it does not feel like oh, it, yeah. I just got a massive craving for candy corn, and y'all can come at me for that hot take, but I love candy corn. It's great. Glass of water oh, for five right. dollars. Well, uh, Aiden has been terminated effective immediately. Huh? <laughs> I enjoy it. Let I me enjoy it. another in Aiden to be my co-host. Huh? There are so many Aidens now, dude. It's insane. A lot of Aidens now. Real quick, glass of water for five dollars. Thank you very much again. Says... Little creatures, they are dragging in places and echoes of lives, and they are asking me about God. I'm going to tell you something, little creature. All right. Well, now I'm scared. Now I'm just, <laughs> now I'm just mildly disturbed. Like, what is happening? Yeah. What is going on? Do um, tell us the story, Glass of Water. What is this this something that you're going to share with us? She's just giving us the bits and pieces. Um, what is Alip? Oh, that's the username of the person they're talking to. I can't keep up with the chat. I, I yeah, this is why we rely on super chats there. because it's a. Yeah. Oh. Feeling but I, times that I stream, I feel like I gotta have a massive hot thing of tea afterwards just because it's continuous talking. Look at this. Hours. Look at this. The people agree with me. Candy corn supremacy. Candy corn is the oh, best, no, and I will fight that. people over that. Screw no. that. Candy corn is not good. The people are with me, man. They understand. No. Yeah, you got a supporter that is a problematic farmer. I don't think, by definition, that's much support. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! That that's it's it, it's a intentional uh, throw off. It's it's a deception, a disguise, simply. Now they're asking about restless leg syndrome tips run there is a hole at the center of everything and it is always growing is that I mean, sexual or not I don't think so <laughs> I think I mean it makes sense actually well it'll only be growing when the when the universe start, starts to shrink again is my take is the universe supposed to start shrinking sometime soon no, that's just my theory, is that it's a constant state of growth, expansion, and, and retraction. The Big Bang was essentially a... Because a, one... Black holes are not permanent. They they eventually, like, degrade and explode into, you know, other things. My My theory is that the Big Bang was essentially just the eventual... Uh, if you want to call it, you know, the entropy death of the universe, essentially being that everything, all gravity, eventually attracted all matter back into one place as a massive black hole, a beyond supermassive black hole, if you will, and that inevitably 
exploded into the universe that is continually expanding now and then inevitably it will continue again just rubber banding back and forth throughout eternity that's my guess is it bad that this entire time that all this has been going on i've just been reading about people that died on toilets no because i want i want to hear the best like it's good that you've been doing that because you can distill the best stories and share them also uh is the is duke jing of Jin? Which oh, is let of, me hear uh, the, the state of uh, Jin is like one of the ancient like Chinese like dynasties or one of the proto-states yeah. that existed before it would unite. Uh, so in the case of the Duke Jing of Jin, the Duke first dreamt of, mal- of a malevolent spirit. So this is actually something that ties well into you. He basically believed that he was cursed and a lot of stuff was going on with him here. Uh, so after waking, he consulted a Wu, which was a shaman, who told him that he would not live to see... Uh, the year's next harvest. The Duke's illness worsened, and they had a new dream in which two urchins, apparently personifying disease, appeared before him, telling him that medicine would not be able to reach him. A physician was called, and he told that the the disease that he had was Gao Huang, which basically meant that uh, it was a disease of the diaphragm that was incurable. There was nothing that he could do. Uh, the Duke praised the physician for his skill, and then, well, sent him lavishly away. So, he basically thinks that he has an incurable disease, that, that nothing is going to work, that he's not going to live to actually see the harvest. But what ends up happening is that he does live to see the harvest. The But it wasn't actually see. He was told that he would not live to eat the harvest. Farmers appear in his court, present him with their harvest, and he's like, ha, you see, I am cured. He then has the shaman executed for lying to him, where he immediately after having the shaman executed falls into horrible pains in his stomach, is carried to the toilet, where he then falls into the toilet, dying. How? How big was the toilet? Yeah, like... (laughs) Well, considering that at the time, toilets at this point were either literal massive pots, or just... And this is my favorite one from it, because it's the same thing that happened to that king. You have a cesspit. pit... And then at the top of that cesspit is a board with a hole that you're sitting on. Yep. Think of like a massive outhouse that's just descended. That's brutal. Also, can I just drop in that problematic farmer for $5 says, should I do DMT? And I think we all know the answer to that question. You ever try DMT? Uh... Well, I like how you're completely <laughs> skipping over Abigail Stort for $5 saying candy corn belongs in the trash. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. My my supporters are are with me financially. Your support is just words. Yeah, well, you know what? Although I will say, uh, Mario Panda, I do like pineapple on my pizza, but only when it's countered with a meat, but it's not it, it's not a salty meat. I like it when it's like uh like chicken. Like, pineapple and chicken, I feel like, is a very good uh, mix for a pizza. It is. Um, 10ME10 for $10, technically, says, Oh, I'm trying to work part of the logo into the uh, tattoo. We are looking at using the skull on a bit of the branching antlers. Won't be the whole logo, but I'm going for a bit that's recognizable while not being overwhelming. I'll send pics once it's sketched. That's sick. Thank you for that. We will put that on the Instagram if you send us pictures of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, are you all familiar with Arianism? Yeah. Yeah, like for the early variation of Christianity. Not like yeah, not Nazi, Nazi shit. shit. Yeah. Okay. So, Arian, like 
the person that would basically create Arianism, like as an, as a variation of Christianity, uh, he shat himself to death. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's so, amazing. Sounds about right. The way that he died uh, was fearing that he had been poisoned, uh, basically fled to the toilet, where in a violent relaxation of the bowels, uh, had massive bloody shits until it basically tore himself from the inside out. That's what you get for suggesting <laughs> Jesus was just a super angel. That's amazing. Oh my God. I mean, that's horrible, but just like that story, the fact that that yeah. happened. Oh God. Okay. Uh, together with the evacuations, his bowels pro like protruded, like his oh. bowels started to come out of him, followed by a copious hemorrhage and the descent of his smaller intestines. Uh, Dude, what? Uh, I don't like that. That's so like bad. That Portions of his spleen and liver were brought off in the effusion of blood so intensely that he immediately died. I mean, at least it was a quick death. It does not his sound painless. literally tore itself apart shitting. Speaking of gruesome deaths that involve your bowels, um, there is... <laughs> That's not uh, a segue that should exist. The the way that uh, Brothier of the Orkneys, or Bro Brothier of Man, died uh, at, after the Battle of Clontarf in 1014, um, he snuck up and killed uh, High King Brian Baru while he was praying, and then one of Brian's companions captured him, cut his stomach open, and forced him to carry his intestines around a tree, wrapping his intestines around a tree until he died. Um, which is just... Brutal. The Viking The Viking Age was nuts. Are you familiar with heel hauling and what that is? Yes. That's my personal favorite brutal method of execution give it, because it was something that would last potentially days. Give, yeah. give, us, uh, give us the rundown for those in the chat who may not be familiar. So the gist of what keel hauling was, it was literally walking the plank, except real. And it was something that was done for, say, traitors and those who had, well, deserted. What it would be is that instead of walking off the side of the ship, you had a rope that was tied around you just long enough that when you were pushed off the front of the ship, off of the bow, you would be dragged underneath the ship. Now, it wasn't so much that you would be dragged completely under, but that your body would still be partially above water, partially submerged, so that as the ship rolled through the waves, you would gradually go underwater and come up again and again and again. Now, I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with ships and what would happen when ships were made of wood, but they would continuously develop barnacles at the, like, at the bottom, especially at the bow of the ship. So what would happen is that as you would be dragged underneath the ship, your back would continuously be slammed up against the bow and scraped against these sharp barnacles that are basically like little shells and rocks that would gradually tear and flay away the skin at your back, that you were then submerged immediately in salt water and set back up to rub against it again. And this process, depending on how clean the ship was, would mean that you were either going to die by bleeding to death or through drowning. 
And if you bled to death, this was something that might only take less than an hour. It was a very quick way to go, relatively. But if the ship was relatively clean, if they had actually removed the barnacles, then this process of drowning, which was like an old form of waterboarding, was something that could take hours or even days for someone to actually die. See, I knew about keel hauling, but I didn't know it was that bad. Yes. That's that's what it is. It's a song by Ailstorm called Keel Hauled. Yes. Uh, if you didn't know, I... there is a genre of music called pirate metal, and it's phenomenal. <laughs> There's also Viking metal. Which one's better, pirate or Viking metal? Personally, I prefer I prefer pirate. And then whatever the hell Glory Hammer is, um, I don't do drugs, but if I did drugs, I would want to li- do drugs and then listen to Glory Hammer. Oh um, my god, no, that line, the line about the um, the raising of Dundee, uh, like the the unicorn army, when it yeah. raises the town, and it's just that one line, I'm not sure if I can say this, can I say, can I say this on, on live for it here? Because it's literally a lyric in the song for it here, Probably. and it just says, oh, and the princess was raped. And it's like, oh yeah, it's a literal line in the song, and I'm hoping to God it le- like that it was the sorcerer and not the unicorn. God, because you don't know. Me too. I do hope so too. Uh, uh glass of water called you a pretty boy, Aiden. By the way, glass. <laughs> Problematic you're... farmer says, "I feel like glass of water would be my bestie at the psych ward." Glass of water, you're far too kind. Uh, I think I think my favorite in the in the Viking metal genre is probably uh, Teresa's, but they haven't put out a new album in like years. But they have uh, an album that's about Harold Hardrada that is just phenomenal. It's called uh, Stand Up and Fight, and the one before it is possibly also about Harold Hardrada. Um, it's a little less specific, but. That is such a good story. I need to write. I need to write some stuff about Hadrada, because he's just. I did a video on him, a part one on him, uh, for our, our history video a couple weeks back. But he, what a character, what a character in history. Oh, but I. Uh, all right. Do we have any more? Um, glass of water for five dollars says the beginning is moments ago, the end is moments away. There is no time to forget before all is forgotten. Yo, I. What are glass what? of water is not living on a human scale. She's living on a cosmic scale, on a universal scale. It's it's the only possible conclusion of that. Gla- glass of water already did the DMT. Um, she is the DMT, and she's dropping fifty dollars for a super boy, chat. Thank you very thank much. You. It's been a while since she we saw one of those, so thank you. Wait, she said the same thing. The she beginning said the is same thing. <laughs> What's it mean? What oh, does this mean? It means that she is beyond general human comprehension. She, she is beyond our understanding. Yes. Um, Will S says that album is about Hadrada. Yes, actually. Um, there, there's a few, there's a few songs that are a little bit less specific, but it's uh, specifically the, the, uh, the song. Um, what's it called? Hang on, hang on. I'll pull it up. But it's the one about uh, him escaping um, Constantinople. 
10 me 10 always always look out for yourself financially first we we do very much appreciate the fun big donations but but please uh <laughs> do not like put yourself in debt yeah no don't put yourself in debt um, yes ah the great the great escape uh by Teresa. there's a line in there it, it, it's a lot of it is a dialogue between um harold and uh i think it would be emperor michael the fifth um let's see if i can pull it up real quick and read it um yeah so uh there's there's a line where it says uh this is insane. We are trapped in the sound. Row for all your worth. Despair to mirth. The chain will not break. There's nowhere around. Over shall we go. Hasten now from stern to bow. Tilt the galley over. For no emperor, no chain will stand in my way. That's a, a direct anecdote to how Harold Hardrada escaped from Constantinople when he wanted to go north to reclaim the kingship of Norway. Is he stole two galleys and tilted them over so that if it, if this is the chain, then the the ship went like this and over it um because this this there was a great chain guarding the, the golden horn guarding the the harbor of constantinople and you the idea was that they would raise the chain at night to keep people from getting in and out um it would be open during the day for trading but he just it was like everybody run to the back and lean and then once we're up on the chain everybody run to the, the, the front of the ship and lean uh and supposedly this is what happened and if it is what happened it worked uh for harold's ship the other one sank um, but he goes north, he gets to, uh, Kiev, or Novgorod, I can't remember exactly which, uh, marries the princess, goes to Norway, becomes king of Norway, rules for 20 years, then decides, you know what, I want to be king of England, goes to England, arrives at Stamford, uh, bridge, gets killed, and, uh, that is the end of the Viking Age. Uh, Abigail Stort says, uh, glass of water is a definite eldritch being. Um, Zeus... Hey, uh, Steven, do you believe in Wendigos? I don't actually necessarily know how to answer that, because here's <laughs> the thing. When it comes to the matter of Wendigos, or essentially anything for supernatural creatures, I'm, even when it comes to the matter for religion, I was raised Catholic, but I consider myself more deist than anything. Mm -hmm. And definitively speaking, I can't necessarily prove or disprove many things in this world. So it's more so that I imagine myself as open to the possibility that there are things that are out there that exist but we may be exaggerating them beyond what it is that they actually are or are capable of if that makes sense that does make sense. we don't necessarily know the limits and capabilities to what is out there but much of what we associate with the supernatural with it is something that I firmly believe is exaggerated due to well natural human desire for stories valid valid that makes sense i can't disagree um moving swiftly uh, along we have abigail stewart real quick first we have Ab Ab abigail stewart that said glass of water is a definite eldritch being I, I did you say that, that right i oh, read okay. that one. Oh, that's right okay fair Ooh, enough sorry you utter mortal uh, yeah it's fair we're all mortals except for glass of water 
Apparently, she says, I got scammed into a human body. Do you understand how annoying this flesh is? What a sentence. <laughs> uh, why do you have to pee all the time? Why are you always hungry? Um, you know, the more glass of water talks, the more I'm wondering if she actually is an eldritch being. Um, or some form of flesh pedestrian, maybe? Problematic farmer says, pee on the ground to assert your dominance. Well, I guess I'm submissive. Have you never pissed in the woods? Um, well, no. Yes, yes, I have. But, like, this seemed more like a command, like, do it right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Good news, people have stopped calling me submissive and breedable in my TikTok comments. So that's... that's Here's the nice. problem, is that now, now that you've said that, they're going to start again. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> you just... It's good for... The... It's good for the engagement, I suppose. Um, oh, yeah, you finally right, unbanned? Because uh, it looked like you are. Yes, yes, I am allowed to post again. Um, but I think that is that is going to be uh, it for tonight, unless anyone has more Super Chats. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is a lot of fun. One story more that I want to You have one more story? All right. One more story. Now, this Go is actually something I plan on making a video on it tomorrow. Like, this is... Okay. It's honestly one of my favorite terrible dumb ways to die oh i love so, this already yeah so you got charles ii of uh navarra of like navarre uh -huh. and his manner of death I, I, I need to preface this by saying this man was famous for essentially backstabbing people like constantly switching sides in any number of alliances everyone hated him he was basically told like you are going to burn in hell what they did not expect was that he would also burn while alive so towards the end of his life he got very sick and if you know anything about medicine especially older medicine such as you know drinking mercury as the chinese did for to make you immortal etc there were some very wacky beliefs and yeah, that didn't work and yeah. one of which was they knew for example that alcohol poured onto wounds would actually help clean wounds they knew this this was something that was good um so what are you one thing that about, they, Steven, the medieval people didn't even bathe or drink water. So, well, they bathed in alcohol when they were sick. So in this case, what happened to him was that while he was extremely sick, his physician had requested that he be bound in linen that was soaked with brandy and wine that the alcohol would soak into his body and cure him, that it would kill the disease. Uh, and in order to make sure that he stayed wrapped up for the entire night while he slept and he didn't, like, wiggle his way out of it, he had to be tied into it. And so the maid, that one of, during one of the nights when he was being tied off, was tying it with yarn but had forgotten to bring scissors. And a classic way that you took a care of a piece of yarn uh, was you actually just burned it in order to break that little part. Now, the alcohol-laden linens that covered this man's body immediately lit up in flame and he burned to death wrapped in alcohol soaked rags in his own bed that's brutal that's metal <laughs> that is metal yeah what and a that is a video go. that i want to do tomorrow because that one is fun yeah do that well you hear it here first people go check out his video you're on get, that you're getting sneak peeks yes uh, uh, but speaking of which, uh, you want to plug your socials? I mean, sure. Everything is Thakuyi. 
literally like I'm the only one that I've ever found that name anywhere. So if it is Instagram, if it is Twitch, if it is YouTube, if it is TikTok, it is literally Stakuyi. S T A K U Y I. People always ask me like, oh wait, how do you find this? What is this? What is it? Like literally just look at my name. It's there. It's everywhere. Yeah, what, I'm the what only is, one that has ever gotten it. Where did where did that name come from, by the way? I've had to do several videos and talk about this. Um it's dumb. <laughs> but for me, it made so much sense. When I was a kid, I had dozens of RuneScape accounts. And I mean that. I had dozens of accounts because I not only forgot my password, I would forget my username. So I could never even plug in my username to remember what my password was to do like a reset your password. So I created dozens of these. And at one point, when I was like seven or eight years old, I just went, okay, so um, I want a fantasy version of my own name. Steven, Stavin, Stakian, Stakui, Stakui, Stakui. And that's it. That's literally all that it was, was just me as a seven-year-old trying to make a fantasy version of my name. And it just so happens that it's the only one that I ever remembered, and it carried forward to this day on basically every account that I've ever created on the internet. I love that's that. Awesome. That's fantastic. Like, in MMORPG, I literally, there has never been a point in my entire history. There's no numbers, there's no abbreviations, there's no special characters. It's just that. It's just those six letters. And that, I've never had to add any special characters because no one has ever claimed it. That's awesome. That is, that is a good story. That is much better than my username. Just really quickly, uh, gonna gonna power through some of the super chats because we've gotten about five uh, since we asked for. Yes, glass of water for five dollars. Thank you very much. Says sweet autumn children. Why do you think apex predators always tell you not to be afraid? We know you will run. Uh, <laughs> Abigail Stewart. That's, that's deeply unsettling. Yes. <laughs> Abigail Stewart for four ninety nine says, as the Aidens say, we should never run from the apex predator. We should walk. Uh, that, is, that was a, that is true. Uh, and that does yes. not just apply to supernatural things, by the way. Um, if you do come across some sort of predator, you want to, y you don't you don't show fear, you don't run away. But also, uh, for example, like gorillas. Um, if for any reason you were to ever come across a gorilla, Rick Harambe, um, you would not want to look it in the eyes because gorillas take that as a challenge. Um, so you just kind of slowly, while maintaining like awareness so you don't take your eyes off of it but you don't look directly into its eyes you just slowly leave the area um and that is basically how how you handle those things because the second you start to run a predators will, will chase you um if you can make it slowly to safety that's what you want to do yes um also most predators that you're going to come across in the wild uh if if you run you're not winning that race um, yep that's just the fact of the matter. The reason that humans survived uh, as long as we did and were able to become what we are is because of our use of tools, not because of our ability to run fast or claw things. Um, yes. Endurance. endurance is a huge factor for early humans. Yes. 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 Yeah. We... People would just follow mammoths for days. Yeah. Yep. The, the humans can stay up for, I think, what, 72 hours before we start to, like, really, really deteriorate. Something like that, probably. Um, Next is 10ME10. Uh, oh, you got it. Go says, uh, I still request Windy Milk. When shall this be provided? I mean, we're getting... We do have a shirt being designed with a Wendigo Milkman. 
Oh, I thought so, it was just going to be like a female Wendigo. Like, you know how they have Mega Milk, but it's yeah. just yeah. Wendy Milk. I, I thought about doing that too, but I thought the Milkman one was more family friendly. Um, yeah. There will be a se- there will be a sexy Wendigo. Um, that that is also been commissioned. Bunker, but like I, I know like that's it, true. Yeah. Oh boy. It. Yeah, I mean it. I, I mean, if the people want the busty Wendigo, I guess I can ask for that. Um, <laughs> the problem here is that Norman oh. really questions whether or not he. When I ask Norman for new things, it, he starts to question his sanity. Um, <laughs> Like, I, because I, I, you got to remember, these things take several hours to complete. So I just know Norman is going to be sitting there with a drawing of a Wendigo with just huge boobs, like slowly deteriorating. Oh, uh, the poor boy. In terms of his mental state. Uh, but he is the one who drew I, uh, who who drew our logo. So uh, if if you like that, uh, his his Instagram is I uh, Norman Keys I I I like three I think. Mm. Um, you know, search through my following. Search through the people who follow me for Norman. You'll find him. But you know, feel free to toss him a follow. I don't know yep. if he's actually going to want me to do that. Um, <laughs> do it or don't. I don't know. Uh, Fair enough. Let's see. Uh, what Cherokee legends are you familiar with? Not many, because the Cherokee do not like to open up about their folklore. Um, they're they're very quiet about it. But the two that I know of are uh, the Cherokee Devil, which is. I mean, to put it very, very simply, is kind of like an evil Sasquatch, but it only attacks Cherokee people. It like it's it's a culture bound monster. Um, and then the other one would be Nalusophilia, which is a kind of like a shadowy demon person who um, I think it actually means like long black man, the name if I remember correctly, or long dark man. And it supposedly haunts the forests, and there are forbidden forests that you shouldn't go into. And the stories are essentially all the same kind of thing. It's like two young boys will go into the forest, even though they were told not to, and then they'll, um, you know, one will come back because the other got dragged into the forest by Nalusa Falaya. Um, Steven, you made a face. Oh, I made a face because when you say, like, oh, it only attacks Cherokee, I'm like, damn, that racist-ass cryptid. <laughs> yeah, basically. Wow. Cryptids. So if I just show up in front of it, it's just going to give me a pass? Like, damn. Yeah. I suppose that that's that's what I've read. Um, I think it'll only appear to Cherokee people is part of the issue. Uh, Russell the Outlaw says, face the apex head on with a blue snow shovel. You know it, brother. Um, 10 me 10 says, which is stronger, blue snow shovel or glass of water? That would be a good question. Um, I will leave it up to glass of water to tell us. Uh, because we want to see Archie. Archie is somewhere upstairs. Abigail says, where is Archie, the goodest of boys? Uh, yeah, he's upstairs somewhere. Um, should I should I go get him? You should go get him. I just, before you go, I want to acknowledge Glass of Water's last super chat, which is, I remember the clam before the bang, then another happened, and then another, one, then one bang gave birth to you, you stayed when others died. And I, I just, I know it was supposed to say calm, but I like the idea that the canonical origin of the universe was actually a clam bake. It's a clam that's just slamming open and shut. Oh, I didn't even think that. My my mentality went to like a clam bake, like just universal beings having a clam bake. <laughs> and they dropped the clam. The bang. And oh, now we're here. God. All right, I'm going to go get Archie, and then we're going to have to end the show because I'm sure Steven's got a wife and kids to attend to. Yes. I'll be right back.
I haven't even eaten any of the pizza that I had that I came back with. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, no, I've just been on here for the last two hours. I dropped oh. it off and just ran in here. Oh, so you you got to be hungry now. Yeah. Because I had dinner before this, and I'm, I've been thinking about a snack for like a half an hour. Gus of Order was not a typo. I knew it. So my there is a number of origins, like from different places. Like you got to think with the amount of places that believe that, say, the Earth is on the back of a turtle, etc. Like, yep. I, I'm very certain that there are some that relate specifically to a clam. I mean, or at least the birth of different gods and goddesses, such as like Aphrodite, like arising out of the ocean. That is something. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh look, the boy got a haircut. Yes, he did. He is considerably less fluffy now. Um, is this what everybody wanted? He lo- he went from baby wolf to to slightly large Pomeranian. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a Pomeranian, believe it or not. Um, he is an American Eskimo. Yeah, he's a very good boy. Oh no! What a what? guy. Ah! He's uh. He was not happy with me. He was trying to get in my room for some reason. I think he wants to go to bed. Uh, that's a new one for him look at the camera (laughs) what a guy he's a good dog though (laughs) I'm convinced that everybody has now just shown up for the stream of Archie yeah I, I, well, I noticed because I got it pulled up on here. It's been consistently staying at like 26, like just literally the exact number. It's not gone up, not gone down, just the exact same number, all holding out for Archie, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Ours says 39. Mine says 39. Wait, really? Yeah. Maybe my thing is just not updating. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have it pulled up on YouTube? Yeah, I do. Maybe if I refreshed it. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it does. It's just if I'm not looking at it here, because I yeah, it's not actually going to show it me for continuous updates. So it looks like uh, we've unintentionally begun a new religion as well. The clam yeah. religion. <laughs> just beware. Uh-huh. Beware. And we I shall. Is, I'd say Archie's aware, but Archie has no thoughts. As you can see on his face, there there are no thoughts in his brain. <laughs> Abigail Stewart says, I came, I came for the Aidens, but was supercharged uh, for the ones who wanted to see Archie. If, if you'll notice, Archie is looking off to the side. There's nothing there. The lights are off in the basement. He is looking at absolutely nothing. What's what's your catchphrase about Archie? No thoughts. There we go. Good boy. Well, <laughs> Problematic farmer says, Archie is my drug. He's very soft. But, all right. I think that'll do it for tonight, everybody. Uh, Steven, thanks for, uh, thanks for being on with us. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. This, this was fun. Uh, wait, I'm convinced class waters. Uh, that's not how you pronounce that or spell that, but you tried. Huh? <laughs> I need to get a whole list together. If I ever do this again with you all, I'm just going to have an entire list of terrible but funny ways that people have died. That's I'm it. So down for that. That's that is that, your next appearance on the show is us just going through that list and ranking one like one to ten or zero to ten get, how terrible can we just it was. All get drunk. Can we all just get drunk and rank them? Yes. That sounds like fun one. We can get one of those like like A through S tier kind of like yes you know, yes like F through S tier. We'll just rate it. Oh, I'm, I'm so down. in. 
That's All right. fun. Well, thank you everyone for uh, for tuning in. Um, this was this was always this was fun as always. <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares tonight about glass of water. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> and the clams, and you and reach clams. over for the glass next to you, and you just know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, that is incredible. Uh, see you, everybody. All right. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you.